welcome to Writers' Festival Radio. My name is Sean Wilson. I'm the Artistic Director of the Ottawa International Writers' Festival. We are broadcasting from the unceded and unsurrendered territory of the Algonquin Anishinaabe, and it gives me great pleasure to welcome you to the podcast. Our official bookseller is Perfect Books on Elkin Street, and wherever you are right now, there's an independent bookseller nearby who would be more than happy to sell you some great books. Today, we're bringing you a conversation between City of Ottawa Book Award winner Kahiso Lasego Malope and Tanya Wotheju about her latest offering, Bruised, which is a vibrant coming-of-age story about a teen girl navigating first love, identity, and grief as she immerses herself in the colorful, brutal, beautiful world of roller derby. Tanya's first book, Kings, Queens, and Inbetweens, was a massive critical and commercial hit. She's also an English teacher who believes feminism, diversity, committed educators, sassy students, and hot mugs of tea will save the day. We'll start with a taste of the prose and then jump into the conversation. In the section I'm going to read, we're going to meet B and Yolanda, who are two older ex-roller derby chicks, and they're going to introduce my protagonist, Daya, to their granddaughter, Kat, who is a roller derby superstar. Hey, Kat! B cried, startling Kat, who'd been signing some dude's chest with a sharpie. When Kat saw who it was, however, she grinned and enveloped Bee in a huge hug, bending over to reach Bee's stooped frame. Nana, how's it going? Kat yelled over the music as she pulled back. Oh, fine, fine, doll. You're really knocking some girls together out there, aren't you? Bee yelled back, sending some of the fans around us into titters. Kat laughed. Yeah, it's in my blood, right? Damn right it is, kid. B pronounced, jabbing Cat in the chest with a bony finger. At this point, Yolanda poked B in the butt again for the umpteenth time and shouted, Hey, B, enough preening already. We got guests, or did you forget? B craned her neck back to see who the guest was, remembered it was me, and then cried, Oh, yeah, of course. She let go of her walker to wave me forward with one hand. Come here, doll. I shuffled toward them, suddenly a little shy, and stood next to B. In front of Cat, I felt like a kid. Cat, B explained. This here is, um, ah, uh, ah, shit. Honey, what's your name? I realized that in my awe over these two, I'd never introduced myself. I looked from B to Cat and stuck out my hand. Hey, I'm Daya. Daya, Cat, this is Daya. She wants to be a roller girl like us. Ain't that perfect? B hollered. Cat took my hand in an extremely firm grip, her eyes meeting mine. She had her wrist guards on, and I felt like I was shaking hands with a cyborg. Oh, yeah? Hey, Daya. I'm Cat Chen, but out here, I'm Killa Skills. Up close like this, I could see how flawless her makeup was, even under the shine of sweat. Her tattoos were, in fact, dragons and fire and seemed to pulse among the many bruises scattered across her arms. The sight sent a shiver across the back of my neck. It was like meeting an action movie star, and I kind of wished I had something for Kat to sign, even though I never usually went in for that sort of thing. But something about her made me starstruck. The beginnings of a smirk on her face suggested she could sense this. So you skate, she asked after our hands parted and she'd placed them on her hips. 
yeah, well, I can skate, and I skateboard, I offered. But this, I gestured to the track, looks unreal. Oh, it's very real, trust me, this real. Kat swung her hips around and pointed to a spot just below her right butt cheek, where a gigantic bruise splashed across her skin, almost engulfing her entire hamstring. My brain swirled. Whoa. That's a beauty, I said, my heart beating a little faster. Gotta be prepared for a little bruising if you're gonna skate, kid, Yolanda inserted, appearing suddenly at my side like some kind of sketchy butler. Oh, I have no issues with that, don't worry. I said this directly to Kat to make sure she knew I meant it. So, hun, Bee's face poked in between us. What's a girl gotta do to get on a team these days? Then she elbowed me and continued without letting Kat respond. In my day, we had to go through all kinds of rigmarole to get on a team. Kat smiled at her with admiration and amusement. Yeah, Nana, those were the days, huh? She winked at me. Well, we're not half as tough as these two ladies, she said, but there is a process. She looked me over like Yolanda had and seemed to appreciate my broad shoulders and wider hips because she added, you look like you could fit right in. I actually blushed. I was starting to feel like a total fangirl, which I didn't love, but I also really needed to get in on this roller derby stuff. If I didn't, I wasn't sure whether I'd make it through the next few months, whether I could keep the shit in my chest at bay. Kat seemed like someone who appreciated a good bruising and the right person to help me get what I needed. And I needed this, the contact, the competition, the chance to pull all the pain away from my chest and into my skin. So hi, Tanya. Hi. <laughs> yeah, I'm so glad we could get a chance to talk. Um, I've been enjoying being in Daya's world. <laughs> it's, been, it's been fun. <laughs> it's been a welcome, um, you know, different world from the world I live in here. Right. Just, you know, my home. There's nobody here because of it. <laughs> <laughs> Of course. <laughs> yeah. So how, have you, how, how has it been for you creatively? How has your creati creative energy been in the past year? Oh, my creative energy has been up and down, I'm sure, like lots of people. Um, I'm still teaching part-time, too, and so I, um, I'm sort of trying to be creative in both areas, I guess. But, uh, yeah, there are times where I just want to lounge and <laughs> relax and um, just try to, you know, um, keep my energy up. But I, I do, I will say, like, I have been able to write a fair amount um, and that it's felt pretty good, especially since January. I feel like I've gotten into a bit of a groove with the project I'm working on right now. Um, but the rest of my sort of writing life at the moment, I guess, has been more this this kind of thing, right? Like talking to people and, and being part of events um, and publicizing Bruised. So I sort of, I guess I took a little bit of break from the writing um, in the fall for the most part. Yeah. Um, so I tend to think of writing novels and, and I, you know, I always say that I'm really mainly a novelist. I don't really write much else, but mm -hmm. I tend to think of novels as going on a journey with, with, um, with my characters. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about how this, this started with you and, and Dea, how this journey started with you. Yeah, I guess it started 
with roller derby, to be honest, first, um, that was the first idea that came to mind was just this world of roller derby. And then I started asking myself what kind of person would be attracted to this very brutal sport and why. And, um, and that's where Adaya came into being because um, I started to picture this person who was drawn to roller derby because she was trying to, I guess, create pain for herself um, to keep herself away from the more emotional pain that she was feeling. And um, yeah, and then from there, it just sort of, I, I then spend a lot of time with her, um, way more so than with the plot of the book or the setting of the book. Um, I tend to spend quite a bit of time with my characters before I start writing the story and started finding out all kinds of things about um, what caused this emotional pain and um, how it manifests itself in these bruises that she you know, creates for herself um, and enacts on herself um, and that lead her to to try out for roller derby. Uh-huh. Um, and it's a book about a lot of different things that we'll get into in a little bit. Um, but speaking of um, the pain, um, mm-hmm. there's a moment where, uh, you know, just uh, around the first time that she meets Kat, where she says, I need it. Um, she said, um, she says, and I needed this, the contact, the competition, the chance to pull all the pain away from my chest and into my skin. I think Mm -hmm. it's such a brilliant, um, way to talk about, um, the, what happens with self-harm and, and, um, what it, what it may or may not be about. Um, Mm -hmm. so there was no sort of disclaimer saying, you know, mm. this is going to be about self-harm, but I found that the book was really largely um, about that, but about just dealing with emotional pain and making it physical. Mm-hmm. Um, so did you set out to, is that what you set out to do? Um, really go into self-harm for people who, you know, may not know before they pick up the book. I think it may be um, important to know that, it, that, that that's a big part of the book. What, what would you say about that? Yeah, I think um, that is something that sort of developed over time. I did have this sense of this bruising because it's such a huge part of roller derby um, that you're, you can't play roller derby without getting a lot of bruises. Um, and, and, you know, people are obviously drawn to roller derby for lots of different reasons. And this is, you know, a dramatized version of, of why somebody would be drawn to it. But I guess the bruising did come, come pretty early. I, and I knew as soon as I developed that idea that I'd have to think really carefully about it and talk to some of my, um, very, very incredible counselor friends. Um, I, I haven't personally had experience with self-harm in that way. And yet I, I mean, I've been teaching for 20 years and I certainly come into contact with, plenty of students who have experienced it. And so when I discovered that that was a huge part of Daya's experience, I definitely wanted to understand it a bit more, you know, what, what drives somebody to, to look to this particular act, um, to make themselves feel 
feel what they feel is better, right, in the moment at least. Um, and, and all of the feelings and emotions around that, like the before, during, and after, um, I, I needed to really understand that. Um, and so, you know, this is one ex- one person's or one character's experience of it, and certainly by no means everybody's experience. Um, but, um, yeah, I guess in terms of a, a disclaimer or, or a content warning, um, I mean, it, it, it explains in the inside cover that she looks to bruising, and I guess it's, it's uh, not, um, not an official... Uh, disclaimer, just sort of a hint of what's to come. Yeah, but I guess it didn't. It didn't um, seem to me at the beginning where, that it would be such a central part of the book. Um, you know, it felt like it was going to be something more um, off to the side, I guess, and that they were going to then focus more on the the roller derby part and that community, which comes into play quite a bit too. But because as I started writing the book, I understood Daya a bit more that 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 bruising actually became really central and, and like the inner bruising too, right? Like the, the bruising, um, that she kind of feels is inside of her, that she's really trying to keep inside of her by the external bruises. Like that started to come, um, become much more clear and become much more prominent as I wrote more of the book. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you, one thing I really like about the book is that you give us such a, a vivid uh, picture of um, a young woman just sort of try, uh, moving through grief mm-hmm. um, and all the ways in which grief can be incredibly painful and at some points gentle depending who you surround yourself with. Um, you really make us stay with the different stages of grief. Mm-hmm. Uh, how was that for you? Um, going through that with Daya? Hmm. Yeah, it's, that's an interesting question because when I started writing the book, um, I'd had my experiences with grief, certainly close people to me who have passed and um, tried to draw on some of those feelings, but she, she loses her parents in such a sudden and violent way. Um, and then she also has this added dimension of feeling like part of it was her fault. Um, which I haven't experienced myself. Um, and and then, you know, as I was writing the book, um, as I was actually just finishing it up, uh, my own father um, passed away. So I... So I had like a little bit of a little bit more of that experience, but again, um, really trying to get inside of her experience of feeling like this weight that there's something that she could have done to avoid this tragic, you know, um, accident that she obviously couldn't have have stopped or that she didn't cause, but feels like she had. And so again, trying to really treat that with. Um, real gentleness and patience for her moving through these stages that um, obviously cause her a lot of pain and anguish, but, but then, you know, cause the people around her a lot of pain and anguish because of how she, she deals with that grief, um, you know, that she pushes people away and that she can't see um, the, the value and the gentleness that people are showing her. Um, and and so and trying to really make that feel natural and believable, like an honor it, um, because I think it's a natural it was natural for her to feel that way. And I think it's natural for some people to feel grief that way. And so um, it yeah, I just really wanted to honor the the 
longevity, I guess, of that experience, that it's not something that goes away quickly, um, that it hasn't gone away completely for her at the end of the book either, um, but that she's come to some new understandings about her relationship to her parents and to that grief that she can at least move forward in maybe a, a healthier way than she has uh, thus far. Mm-hmm. And her relationship to herself. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, what, what I uh, another thing that I... Um, thought was a really beautifully honest way of portraying grief was um, showing her being unable to be comforted at different points, um, mm-hmm. especially by her aunt and uncle, um, just showing her inability to um, to take in uh, tenderness at different points. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a moment when um, She's sitting next to Shanti and she says, I took a sip of my beer, hyper aware now that Shanti had shifted so that her body was tucked in against mine. Responding to both her comment and her closeness, a small spike of steel rolls in my chest. I can handle myself. I could feel her lean in even more and I willed the steel to grow higher, sharper. Um, I loved that moment, um, mm. because I felt almost a lump, <laughs> in, mm. you know, in my throat, I could mm-hmm. feel that, that moment of incredible, um, pain where you, 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 you feel tenderness coming to you, but you're afraid to take it because your, your way of survival, um, is of putting up the wall is of mm-hmm. that that steel is your protector is your protection yeah, um, that's right. yeah and so i was think i was wondering through all this grief if uh giving her a bit of romance was your way of um just offering her sweetness in her life mm-hmm. <laughs> is that how it felt for you Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly how it felt. Um, just the softness that comes with Shanti as a character and and also as I developed the book, the, a couple of the uh, relationships that she that Daya has became really complicated for me. Um, her relationship with the two uh, prominent people on the team, Shanti and Kat, who are sisters, and then with her own parents, where we see their relationship unfold through those flashbacks. And it became really clear to me that, you know, these two sets of people uh, paralleled each other to some extent, where Shanti has some of these qualities that Daya's mother had, and Kat has some of the qualities that her father had, and that Daya is trying to really navigate her feelings with both sets of people, you know, through her past and then through her present as it's unfolding. And that Shanti is this, this way into gentleness for her. Um, and it didn't have to be romantic by any means. Um, I love a little romance. I think, I think teenagers, um, to some extent, um, appreciate that, um, mostly. And so um, I, I like writing it. I enjoy um, writing those romantic pieces. Um, but obviously Shanti is more than that. She's, she is somebody who, who also starts out as this seemingly, you know, um, maybe naive or, or 
almost like a pushover kind of person and, and diocese her that way for sure. Um, but I, I didn't want her to end up that way. And she isn't that way. You know, her gentleness is her strength. Um, and that's why, and that's what I wanted Daya to see both in her and, and acknowledge that and feel it. Um, but then also receive it and then see it in herself too, that, that she could also be strong in a different way than she'd come to know as strength. Mm-hmm. Um, I was thinking of Audre Lorde saying, um, we have to consciously study how to be tender with each other until mm. it becomes a habit. Mm. Um, because mm. what was native has been stolen from us. And she was talking about um, black women's love for one another, but I think mm. it's here um, well, through Adaya's journey. And my sense is that that was the journey from um, her learning to be tender with herself, not only um, not only accepting tenderness, but learning to be tender with herself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It is a journey into, you know, not losing everything that she is, because I think she's taken certain things from her father that she's learned about, um, about strength, a certain kind of strength, you know, that is you know, sometimes perhaps useful, you know, that that toughness or that um, ability to withstand or stand up for, stand up to, but then also adopt or integrate this other kind of strength um, that she's largely missing and also largely ignoring, you know, in her mother and then um, in, then Shanti. I think that brings her to, you know, the most vulnerable moments, I think, for her and for me to write to, like, where I really felt like... Um, they were the softest, um, most revealing moments for her are when she is with her aunt and uncle, who she's largely tried to, you know, distance for lots of different reasons, um, but where she she actually is able to finally express how she fe- feels responsible for her parents' deaths. Um, and that you know, that's something that she hasn't, that, that's the thing that she's pushing down, right? That feeling that she caused that, those deaths and that, that um, it's, it's because she wasn't strong enough, right? And so it's like those, that moment where she's actually at her, I don't want to say weakness, weakest, because it takes so much strength to be vulnerable, but it's where she feels like the most broken down, that she's actually able to, um, to, to accept the love that she gets from her aunt and uncle um, in a way that she hasn't been able to accept from anybody, like actual physical touch and, you know, sitting down and allowing herself to um, hear a, a different perspective of her parents and share her own perspective. Um, you know, that's a huge weight she's been carrying um, since their deaths. So that would, that's probably the most vulnerable that she becomes in the story, although she definitely has moments with Shanti too where she has to let go um, and where she has to kind of open herself up both physically and emotionally in order to receive this, this care and, and love from um, this other person too. So the world of roller derby. <laughs> <laughs> um it's not only the roller derby world um, that is populated by many different kinds of people and is quite diverse. And mm-hmm. um, it's the book itself um, as a whole, I think, uh, from beginning to end, where you feel that you are interacting with everyone, uh, 
you know, every, you know, there are all kinds of possibilities in the world. And that's not, um, you know, it's not the world that um, there may be people reading the book who take a lot of comfort in this, because I, 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 I sort of see this, not only the world of roller derby, but the book itself. Mm -hmm. um, as very hopeful it's a very hopeful place to live in you, you know for a while and there may be a lot of young people reading wishing you know for this hopeful world is this a world that you um does it reflect a place not the world as a whole of course but a place that you yourself live in or more a place you'd like to live in Mm -hmm. Yeah, great question. I think both, you know, with this book that's set in sort of the roller derby world and then my first book, Kings, Queens and Inbetweens, which is set in the drag world, these are both, you know, to me, these are two cultures, communities that hold so much space for diversity and inclusivity and um, color and energy and this real sense of um, of community, I guess. And, and so with Bruised, um, roller derby that's that's one of the things that attracted me to the idea of roller derby itself as a place to set this book um, because it kind of held the kinds of spaces that I really look to and hope for and try and create to as a teacher for sure and then now through my books as well um, so I guess it's a little bit of both you know I definitely see this kind of world occurring in certain spaces um, you know, in certain pockets of the drag world and certain pockets of the roller derby world and elsewhere. But it's also a world that I hope for outside of those pockets, of course, you know, and that I hope, you know, these if as people see these pockets, that it'll maybe translate somehow into their own worlds, um, even if they don't play roller derby, if they don't do drag. And yeah, so I guess it's, it's definitely a little bit of both. It's I see it, but I also want more of it. Right. And, and yeah. in the world that you are trying to, and you're trying to cultivate those spaces um, mm -hmm. where you live as well and through your, through your work. Mm -hmm. So, um, so you would see this book then, would you see this book then as fitting into your uh, overall worldview, I guess? Yeah. In the, mm -hmm. the world that you wish to live in. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's it's a f uh, fantastic read. I hope everybody goes. Oh, thank you. It. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I think for you know, I think for a lot of people who know what being marginalized feels like in the world, um, it's great to go into a book that doesn't explain itself, and that's probably one of the best things about the book is that um, the characters are you know, your people next door and, and who they are, where they come from, doesn't need to be explained in order for mm. you, you know, to interact with them. Mm -hmm. So that's really fantastic. Um, it has been wonderful talking to you. Um, I think that um, those are, well, those are my main questions. Is there anything else that you would like to add? Um, just like I love that we talked a lot about um, the grief and Daya's journey and and less a little bit about the roller derby because I think people um, see it as a roller derby book, which I mean, it is to some extent it is important. It's definitely a part of the book that I'm proud of and that I think is key to Daya's, you know, 
evolution. Um, and it's, it's not just a roller derby book. You know, I do think it's so much more than, than just about this sort of roller derby scene. It's really is about grief and coming to understand the different types of strength that, are accessible and available to us. Um, and, and it's also about culture and family, right? It's about Daya's relationship with her parents and understanding that better um, and understanding um, her role within her own family and, and you know, what she thought that was and what she comes to understand it to be. Um, so those parts of the book, you know, where she, where we see her interacting with her parents in the past, became really, really important to me um, and, and to her as a character. And so, yeah, I just really appreciate that, that um, we focused on, on her because it is, it is her story, um, not the story of roller derby necessarily, although it's, it's an important part of the book. So thank you for that. Yeah. <laughs> that was Cajiso Lasego Malope in conversation with Tanya Botheju about her new novel, Bruised. Please take a moment to rate and review the podcast and don't hesitate to recommend it to a friend. I want to thank the Ottawa Public Library, the Government of Canada, the Government of Ontario, the City of Ottawa, the Ontario Arts Council, the Canada Council for the Arts, Carleton University, and CBC for their ongoing support. Our spring season runs through June and it's all available online at writersfestival.org, so all you need to do to connect with some of the world's most acclaimed authors is click play. If you enjoy the podcast or any of our virtual programming, please consider making a charitable donation. This podcast is produced by Aaron Flynn, original music and sound engineering by Mike Dubay. Kira Harris is our program director, and I'm your host, Sean Wilson. Thank you for listening. Thank you.